Hello. My name is Dr. Mercurio Arborea, and I am the founder of the Arborea Institute. Through our unique blend of benign pharmacology, sensory therapy, and energy sculpting, we can guide you to a new, better, happier you. You're about to embark on a great journey. Let the new age of enlightenment begin. What is at stake is more than one small country. It is a big idea. A new world order. It's no longer a theory. What I'm about to say is fact. The secret organizations of the world power elite are no longer secret. They have planned and are now leading us into a one world communist government. Welcome useless eaters to the Odd Man Out podcast where we talk about hidden history, depolitical policy, occult deconstruction, economics, religion, and philosophy. I'm your rabbit hole aficionado, the odd man. Welcome. The affirmative task we have now is, uh, is to actually um, uh, create uh, uh, a new world order. Public policy could itself become the captain of a scientific, technological elite. And when that first cocaine was smuggled in on a ship, it may as well have been a deadly bacteria so much as it hurt the body, the soul of our country. But take my word for it, this scourge will stop. Moon protested he was unworthy, but Jesus insisted. To me, Reverend Moon's coming to this world is the second coming of Christ. Well, his power is greater than Jesus because Jesus is working with him. So two is better than one. And many people have seen this, you know, spiritually. When Reverend Moon's speaking, they see Jesus next to him. Then, his followers believe, other prophets appeared. Met with Buddha. Met with Muhammad. Met with the Confucius. He had many, many incredible spiritual encounters. So Jesus and the Reverend Moon are working together. Absolutely, absolutely. But not only, Jesus is working with Reverend Moon in America. In the Islam is Mohammed. In, uh, in Asia, in, in, in Asia is, Bu is Buddha. He came down from the mountain transformed. In his village, Moon was supposed to have wisdom beyond his years. He was seen to wrestle trees on the hillside in a state of trance. Before World War II, Korea was under Japanese occupation. Koreans were ordered to follow the Japanese Shinto faith. Now nearly 20, Moon says his struggle was not with the Japanese. It was with the devil. I have never seen any man so dedicated to God. Legend has it that at his home and soul, overwhelmed by the suffering of God, he would cry for days on end. Once, his tears leaked into the room below. Good evening, oddities, and I hope you're doing well. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Oddcast featuring me, the Odd Man Out. And I really appreciate you taking your time to do that. This week, we're going to be talking about another cult. But I just want to mention that I hope you had a chance to listen to the last podcast about the Church Universal and Triumphant, Mark and Claire Prophet, and the I Am Movement. I suggest you give that one a go and see what you think. But this week, we're going to talk about another cult that's a little bit better known in some circles because it's more recent, and that is the Moonies. Yes, the Moonies, the Unification Church, Reverend Sun Myung Moon. Some of you know a lot about him and his cult, but many do not. And I've noticed, especially a lot of people in the conservative movement have no idea 
about his influence. So I think it's important to do a show on the Unification Church. And one of the things that prompted me to do it, it's, it's been on my back burner of cults to do shows about, but my friend John Brisson a couple of weeks ago did a show where he showed that Trump had recently spoken at a Unification Church event and praised the late Reverend Moon and his wife. And one thing you need to know about the Unification Church and Reverend Sun Myung Moon is he was no Christian at all. He started out under the guise of Christianity, but he said that God actually bowed down to him. He said that Jesus Christ failed his mission on the cross, and Reverend Moon was chosen to be the Lord of the Second Advent, or the Third Adam, to save humanity. And there's many, many blasphemous quotes by Reverend Moon and crazy teachings by him, and we'll get into all that. But I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about Reverend Moon's past. So that's what we're going to be starting off with today. And then we'll probably make this a two to three part show. So without beating around the bush too much, let's go ahead and get into the meat of the subject. As Moon told his followers, he was the third Adam, here to restore the perfect world that God had designed. You have no way to know Reverend Moon is the Messiah just looking at him. He was praying more than 17 hours every day. He's a man of prayer. Through him, I feel elevated to closer to God. Ironically, Moon's church was born out of suffering. After Hiroshima and Nagasaki, the Japanese surrendered and pulled their troops out of Korea. I now invite the representatives of the Emperor of Japan to sign the instrument of surrender. Now there was religious freedom in Korea. Back in Seoul, Moon got married. According to legend, he told his wife he was going out to buy rice for their new baby. He never came back. God told him to go to North Korea to preach. His way of uh, teaching, it was just simply fascinating. All the conventional questions resolved automatically, like a snow melting. His belief that Korea had spawned a new messiah outraged many Christians. Reverend Moon was accused as heretic. Worse still, Soviet troops were swarming into North Korea, stifling freedom of worship almost as soon as it began. Today, Moon's followers are told he was framed by the new communist regime of Kim Il-sung punished for speaking the word of God. He was absolutely incredibly tortured by the communists, the police. Incredible. He was just virtually beaten to death. He was sent to North Korea's Hung Nam death camp. According to a later FBI report, the charge was bigamy. None of the prisoners um, survived in that prison more than 18 months. In his book, Divine Principle, which lays out his theology, Boone says he endured suffering unimagined by anyone in history. He suffered so much he atoned for the sins of mankind and became perfect. Reverend Moon was sentenced to death to that death camp for five years imprisonment. I feel like sometimes when I'm doing these shows, whether it be with the mad ones about Reverend Jim Jones and Jonestown or about Amork or the Temple of Set, Freemasonry, or maybe even with the occult rejects talking about the Franklin cover-up, sometimes I feel like we don't explain the people involved quite enough because we get highly involved in reading about this stuff 
and we just take some things for granted and we get to know the people. It's kind of like reading a, a fiction book. You get to know the characters and they really mean something to you. So if you don't do enough establishment of the characters for the people in a podcast, sometimes you can do a good show, but it doesn't mean that much to the audience. So I just want people to understand that this Reverend Moon guy was very significant in his influence. And he was born in what is now North Korea on January 6th, 1920 in Zhangzhou. Now, at the time, Korea was under Japanese occupation. His family had practiced Confucianism until he was around 10 and converted to Presbyterianism. Now, in 1936, he claimed that while on a mountaintop in prayer, Jesus came to him and told them that he had been chosen to complete Jesus' unfinished task of saving the human race. Now, out of this came the basis for the book what Moon called the divine principle that many people say Hayo Won U actually wrote, but then others say that Moon wrote it and then Hayo actually went back through it and made it more legible and systematic. So it's actually contested as to whether Moon even wrote the book that is the basis for the Unification Church. And the divine principle has changed several times over the decades to fit the times and whatever Moon was trying to convey and get done through his teachings. Now, what was Jesus's failure on the cross, according to Moon? Well, he said that Jesus's greatest error was his failure to marry and produce offspring, which Moon said would have purified the lineage. And because he failed, the bloodlines had been tainted. And so Reverend Moon had been chosen to purify the bloodlines. Now this is where it gets interesting. Moon had something which he called the picarium or a sex ritual, basically. So in Korean, pi, P-I, equals blood, and kareum, K-A-R-E-U-M, equals separation. Blood separation refers to the dividing of the purified blood before the fall of man, from the satanic blood introduced by the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. According to Moon, the fall was caused by the Archangel Lucifer seducing Eve in the spirit, and she in turn seduced Adam in the flesh. This sexual intercourse produced a bloodline tainted by the original sin. All mankind allegedly carry this sinful satanic blood. Sun Myung Moon said that to reverse this illicit sex that caused the original sin, and here it comes, sexual intercourse had to be performed with the sinless man in a ritual called picarium. The process is also called womb cleansing. Consequently, no contraception should be used. He said Jesus was the second Adam and that he was the third and sinless Adam. He said that the picarium had to be done three times with himself to purify the women. This represented what he called the three stages, formation, growth, and perfection. He also said that there had to be a witness for the process to be valid. The reason for the witness was to remove the element of shame. This is because Adam and Eve hid from God in their shame at having fallen. Sun Myung Moon personally performed the Picarium sex ritual with all the wives of the first 36 couples in which he blessed in marriage, as well as every wife from the 72 couples and the 124 couples. This has been confirmed by Gil Ja Sa U, the wife of President Hayo Wan U, who wrote the 1957 Divine Principle. They were among the first three couples to be blessed in 1960. Those 36, 72, and 124 couples all became known as Moon's tribe or the royal couples from the holy weddings. The Picarium purified men and women had a duty to restore others in a sex relay. Today, in the Unification Church and the Sanctuary Church of Haiyang Jinshan Moon, and we'll talk about Jinshan here in a little bit, a very similar expression change of blood lineage is used. The words are slightly different, but the meaning is the same. When Sun Myung Moon's mass marriages became too large, he introduced the three-day ceremony, which symbolized the picarium. 
The couples themselves had to do three days of ritual sex in different positions. It has been reported by a number of people, including the Unification Church leader Zen Moon Kim, that Moon had sex with representative virgin wives of each mass wedding. It is not known when Moon stopped doing this. And we talked about mass weddings, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. That is one of the main things that Moon really got known for here in the States, but we're not to that point yet. Now, Moon once said on January 1st, 1990, on his God's Day morning address, God has to be educated. People will say that I am a heretic, but it is true. God doesn't know about love. He hasn't experienced it before. God has no sexual organs. So until a man becomes one with God, he cannot experience making love to a woman. Through me, God has done this. On November 29th, 2000, on his South American tour, he said, Husbands are in the archangel position, which means they don't have the seed. Therefore, the wives must absolutely unite with the true parents so that the husband can be restored. The archangel cannot have the seed of life. The true parents is what Moon called himself and his wife. And he actually encouraged his cult devotees and young initiates to leave their family and friends and join the true parents and the true family, which was the Unification Church. And that's one thing we see in all these different cults and secret societies for the most part is they want you to be dependent upon the cult and leave your old life behind and give all your belongings and all your time, all your money to the cult. Now, I should have mentioned this earlier. I don't want to leave this out, so I'll go ahead and talk about it now. The 38th parallel is somewhat infamous, and Moon said this in 1985 at his IFBOC rally. We must understand the significance of the division of the Korean Peninsula, the demilitarized zone on the 38th parallel, which divides the peninsula, is the line of confrontation between the dictatorial system of communism and the free world system of democracy, between left-wing forces on the side of evil and the right-wing forces on the side of goodness, between materialism and idealism, and between atheism and theism. From the standpoint of ideology and the socio-political system, we see the world at present divided between a democratic bloc and a communist bloc, with the United States and the Soviet Union as their respective leaders. And you hear a lot about the 38th parallel. Now, Moon had a real hate for communism. And it's kind of interesting because it says in 1941, when he was studying electrical engineering at Waseda University in Japan, he was actually cooperating with the Communist Party members in the Korean independence movement against Imperial Japan. In 1943, he returned to Seoul and married his first wife, Sun Kil Choi, on the 28th of April, 1945. On the 2nd of April, 1946, their son, Sung Jin Moon, was born. In the 1940s, Moon attended a church in Sandgo Dong that was led by Bake Moon Kim, who said that he had been given by Jesus the mission to spread the message of a new Israel throughout the world. Around this time, Moon changed his given name to Sun Myung Moon. And check this out. Moon had decided that his birth name, which was Moon Yong Myung, was not a suitable name for a Christian evangelist because Yong, which means dragon, might be interpreted by some people as referring to the serpent, the devil, or the antichrist. So he decided to change his name to Moon Sun Myung. The character Myung, composed of sun and moon, means bright. Together, Sun Myung means make clear. So the full name can be taken to mean the word made clear. According to the Book of Knowledge, until about 1945, Pyongyang was the center of Christianity in Korea. From the late 40s, 166 priests and other religious figures were killed or disappeared in concentration camps, including Francis Hong Yongho, Bishop of Pyongyang, and all monks of Tokwon Abbey. In 1947, Moon was convicted by the North Korean government of spying for South Korea and given a five-year sentence to the Hungnam labor camp. 
Now, these labor camps were known for being absolutely grueling in their conditions and working environment, and many people didn't last more than a few months. But somehow, Sun Myung Moon was able to make it out, and he credits that to when U.S. and United Nations forces supposedly raided Hungnam and the guards fled. Moon escaped and traveled to Busan, South Korea at that time. That's where he grew to absolutely loathe communists and hate them for the rest of his life, and he really worked against them. And I think that's fantastic, but we're going to learn here in a little bit that there was a little bit more to it than just hating communists. You know, we have to be careful who we line ourselves up with just because we have common enemies. Because a lot of times these other people are just as bad as our common enemies. But in politics, we don't do that. And if you'll notice, people will line up if they're on the right or the left, they'll line up with the most horrible people just because they agree on a couple of things. And those people may be their sworn enemies as well, but we can't think clearly when we are thinking in political terms. That's just the way it is. Now, Moon used his time in the concentration camp to tell his cult members about his great suffering. Oh, his great suffering, he had suffered more than any human being could even imagine. They couldn't comprehend it, according to him, so much so that his suffering atoned for the sins of mankind. So he basically took the place of Jesus Christ. So again, Moon married Sun Kil Choi, his first wife, in 1945. The son, the first son, Sun Jin Moon, was born in 1946. And they were divorced, he and his wife, in January 1957. Now, allegedly, he took Sun Jin Moon, his son, away from Sun Kil Choi and basically kidnapped him and never gave him back. Now, Moon would end up having children by at least three wives before he exited the building for the final time. But while he was married to his first wife, Sun Kil Choi, he allegedly impregnated two of his followers, Myung Hee Kim and Don Suk Kim. Don't see a date on it, but his second wife was Mrs. Kim Chong Hwa. Now, there were rumors of bigamy and him being, of course, married to more than one woman at the same time. The third wife was Miss Kim Myung-hee, and it says here that they were married June 30th, 1955. She gave birth to Moon-hee Jin on August 17th, 1955 in Tokyo. He would later die in a tragic train accident on August 1st, 1969 in Tokyo at the Maypo Station in Chungbuk. Now Moon's fourth wife, Mrs. Choi Won Pak, was called the Great Mother within the Unification Church. She joined the church in 1954. She was also known as the Second Mother. Mr. Moon's fifth wife is the current chairperson of the Unification Church, Han Hak Ja. She bore 14 children, but four of them have died. Now, oddly enough, Moon, Reverend Moon died in 2012, and he had put forth that his youngest son was going to inherit the Unification Church and he would take over. Well, when he died, his wife wasn't having it, and she took over the church, changed some things around, and two of his sons split from the church and started their own thing. It's called the World Peace and Unification Sanctuary Church and Rod of Iron Ministries, but that is Jin Moon and Sean Moon who left the regular Unification Church over the split between them and their mother taking over. Now, up until this point, there was no unification church in the United States. They did not have a presence here. But in 1959, the Reverend Moon sent Young Un Kim to America to start the very first ever unification church in Oregon. In 1960, she sent out this writing, this pamphlet, to 70 different Christian churches here, 
called The Cross Is Not Enough. The result was 36 standard rejections, 6 rejections on the basis of length, and 9 rejections on the basis of theological disagreement. So obviously her strategy wasn't being accepted here in the United States. One of the main things she did was translate the divine principle into English so she could obviously get American people to actually even read it to find out what they were all about. Eugene, Oregon wasn't working out for her. She was actually accused of being a communist and eventually moved to good old San Francisco where all the action happens. So the Unification Church started off with not much of a bang in the United States at first, but they kept on trying to plant seeds here. Now this is where it picks up and gets pretty interesting. Around 1965, Moon decided to make his first trip to the United States. Now, according to the left-leaning free press, working with the KCIA, the Korean CIA, Moon made his first trip to the United States and shockingly obtained an audience with former President Dwight D. Eisenhower. Both Ike and former President Harry S. Truman lent their names to the letterhead of the Moon-created Korean Cultural Freedom Foundation. Now, this is where we need some historical perspective. In this Free Press article, it says, To understand the historical significance of Reverend Moon and his Moonies, one must start with Ryoichi Sasakawa, identified in 1992 in a frontline investigative report as a key money source behind Moon's far-flung world religious business empire. Sasakawa bragged to Time magazine that he was the world's richest fascist. In the 1930s, Sasakawa was one of Japan's leading fascists. He organized a private army of 1,500 men equipped with 20 warplanes. His followers were Japan's version of Mussolini's black shirts. Sasakawa was a key figure in leading Japan into World War II and was an uncondemned Class A war criminal. Following World War II, he was captured and imprisoned for war crimes. According to the U.S. documents, Sasakawa was suddenly freed with another accused war criminal, Yoshio Kodama, a prominent figure in Japan's organized crime syndicate, the Yakuza. They were freed in 1948, one year after the National Security Act established the CIA as the successor to the Office of Strategic Services, or the OSS. In January 1995, Japan's Kyoto News Service uncovered documents establishing that Kodama's release coincided with an agreement he had made with U.S. military intelligence two months earlier to serve as an informant. Declassified documents link Kodama's release to the CIA. During WW2, Kodama's activities, according to the U.S. Army counterintelligence records, consisted of systematically looting China of its raw materials and dealing in heroin, guns, tungsten, gold, industrial diamonds, and radium. Both Sasakawa and Kodama's CIA ties are a reoccurring theme in their relationship with Reverend Moon. In 1997, Donald Fraser launched an investigation into Moon's cult. The 444-page congressional report alleged Mooney involvement with bribery, bank fraud, illegal kickbacks, and arms sales. The report revealed that Moon's 20,000-member Unification Church was a creation of the Korean Central Intelligence Agency, or the KCIA. The Moonies were working with the KCIA director, Kim Jong-pil, as a political instrument to influence U.S. foreign policy. The U.S. CIA was the agency primarily responsible for founding the KCIA after WW2. The Moon organization, of course, has denied any link with the U.S. intelligence agencies or the Korean government. Quickly switching over to the book The Puppet Master by J. Isamu Yamamoto, and he worked with the Spiritual Counterfeits Project, and he wrote this book to explain to Christians and other people what the Moonies actually believe, what Reverend Moon taught in the Divine Principle, and showed his political ties as well. It's a pretty darn good book. It's not a long book, but there's a lot of detail in it. 
And he says about this time with Moon and his connections, one of the more common stories circulating within the Unification Church is how Moon and other Koreans suffered during the Japanese occupation in World War II. But what is not circulated is that President Park himself was an officer in the Imperial Japanese Army during that war, and that certain Japanese industrialists who were part responsible for the repression of Korean Christians are now among Moon's major allies. Kishi Nobosku, who was a member of the Imperial Japanese Wartime Cabinet, heads Moon's International Federation for Victory Over Communism. He was a Class A war criminal after the war and went on to become Prime Minister of Japan in 1957 through 1961. A close friend of his is Sasakawa Ryoichi, who is the chief financial backer and organizer of the Genri Undo, a religious organization started by Moon in the 1960s. Sasakawa was also a former war criminal who spent time in the Sagumo prison with Nobusuki. He had long been involved with the Asian People's Anti-Communist League and has played an important role in Japanese politics. With his vast fortune acquired from shipbuilding, gambling, and reputed links with organized crime, Sasakawa not only influences the Japanese government, but supports Moon's Unification Church. Church officials deny that Sasakawa is actually a member of the Unification Church in Japan, but Colonel Pak, who is Moon's second-hand-in-command, does admit that Sasakawa is Moon's chief ally in the battle against communism. Now, of course, we hear Anti-Communist League, or Western Anti-Communist League, Wackel, or whatever, and we automatically think good guys because we've been taught to hate communism, and I am certainly no fan of communism. But I think we have to look at the bigger picture and see that even though these guys may have been anti-communist, they weren't on our side. They were fascists. They didn't want a government like us, a more libertarian type of government. They wanted full-on fascism ruled by them, of course. And that's also what Moon wanted. Moon wanted world government, one world religion, ruled by him. Moon has been famously reported as saying one time, the whole world is in my hand, and I will conquer and subjugate the world. He's also said any politician who wants to run for president will come to me in a few years. And the time has come when the whole world must be concerned about me. From now on, American Christianity must follow me. He also taught something called a heavenly deception. He said, So telling a lie becomes a sin if you tell it to take advantage of a person, but if you tell a lie to do a good thing for Sung Young Moon, it is not a sin. Even God tells lies very often. You can see this throughout history. And also he said once, let's say there are 500 sons and daughters like you in each state. Then we could control the government. Getting back to Moon's shady dealings, in 1978 there was a U.S. House of Representatives subcommittee investigation report. It was called the Investigation of Korean-American Relations, October 31st, 1978. It says, Reverend Sun Myung Moon's speeches foresee an apocalyptic confrontation involving the United States, Russia, China, Japan, and North and South Korea, in which the Moon organization would play a key role. Under these circumstances, the subcommittee believes it is in the interest of the United States to know what control Moon and his followers have over instruments of war and to what extent they are in a position to influence Korean defense policies. One thing I did leave out was South Carolina Senator, late Senator, and Biden's buddy, Strom Thurmond, was one of the main proponents of getting Moon over to the United States, if that means anything. Now back to the Free Press article. Moon, who is Korean, and his two fascist Japanese buddies, Kodama and Sasakawa, worked together in the early 1960s to form the People's Anti-Communist League with the aid of KCIA agents. The League allegedly used Japanese organized crime money and financial support from Chinese General Isimo Chiang Kai-shek. 
the League concentrated its efforts on uniting fascist and right-wing militarists into an anti-communist force throughout Asia. In 1964, League funds established Moon's Freedom Center in the United States. Kodama served as a chief advisor to Moon's subsidiary, Win Over Communism, an organization that served as a conduit to protect Moon's South Korean financial investments. Sasakawa acted as Win Over Communism's chair. In 1966, the League merged with another fascist organization, the Anti-Bolshevik Bloc of Nations. The merger begat the World Anti-Communist League, or WACL. Later in the 1980s, the retired U.S. Major General John Singlob emerged from the shadows of the League to become caught up in the Iran-Contra scandal. As chairman of the WACL, Singlob enlisted soldiers of fortune and other paramilitary groups to support the Contra cause in Nicaragua against the Sandinistas. Moon's Freedom Center served as the headquarters for the League in the U.S. during the Iran-Contra hearings. The League was described as a multinational network of Nazi war criminals, Latin American death squad leaders, North American racists and anti-Semites, and fascist politicians from every continent. Now this brings us back to when Moon came back over here in 65 and actually met with Ike and got Harry Truman's approval. And in the 70s, you may have heard of Koreagate. This is where Moon earned quite a bit of notoriety and kind of a bad reputation from the start. Back to Yamamoto and the Puppet Masters, he said that Moon had a lobby in Congress. And in 1973, during a New York meeting, he told his directors, Master, referring to himself, needs many good-looking girls. He will assign three girls to one senator. That means we need 300. Let them have a good relationship with them. One is for the election, one is to be the diplomat, and one is for the party. If our girls are superior to the senators in many ways, the senators will be taken in by our numbers. Moon's success seemed to be more in the House than the Senate. Although most of Congress has passed it off as a joke or a bother, House Speaker Carl Albert has been closely linked with female followers of the Unification Church, particularly Susan Bergman. According to Jack Anderson, Senator Albert has given them occasional rides in his limousine, helped them move, and so forth. Albert denies that they have any political influence on him, although he admits to a pleasant relationship with them. It is apparent that elements of the conservative wing of politics are willing to support Moon because of his anti-communist line. Moon has found fast friends among prominent conservatives. In the Wright Report, October 22, 1973, Lee Edwards, famed Reagan biographer, praised Moon's work against communism. Edwards and Alan Brownfield, a conservative columnist, also have contributed articles to The Rising Tide, a newspaper published by the Unification Church. Major periodicals and newspapers have quoted Moon as saying, He will take over the world. I will conquer and subjugate the world. I am your brain. The time will come, without my seeking it, when my words will almost serve as law. If I ask a certain thing, it will be done. If I don't want something, it will not be done. Back to the investigations of Moon and his ties to the KCIA and possibly influencing these representatives. In the 1970s, Moon earned notoriety in the so-called Koreagate scandal. Female followers of the Unification Church were accused of entertaining and horizontally lobbying U.S. congressmen while keeping confidential files on those they lobbied at a Washington Hilton hotel rented by the Moonies. The U.S. Senate held hearings concerning Moon's programmatic bribery of U.S. officials, journalists, and others as part of operations by the KCIA to influence the course of U.S. foreign policy. The Frazier Report documented that Moon was paid by the KCIA to stage demonstrations at the United Nations and run pro-South Korean propaganda campaigns. The congressional investigator for the Frazier Report said, Quote, we determined that there, Mooney's primary interest, at least in the U.S. at the time, 
was not religion at all, but was political. It was an attempt to gain power and influence and authority. Now, Reverend Moon, while he was here, he saw an opportunity in Nixon and his Watergate scandal and the weakness that it had caused to capitalize on that and possibly get some major recognition for him and his Unification Church. So Yamamoto says that during the winter of 73-74, Richard Nixon was acting out the last scenes of an almost Shakespearean tragedy. Once feared, respected, hated, but never before pitied, Nixon was broken in his struggle with himself and with the nation. His downfall was all the more tragic in that, during his last days in office, his solace should come from Moon. Moon saw a golden opportunity, finally to capture the eyes of the American press, by placing himself in the unique position of supporting Nixon. In this, he succeeded. He did not succeed in his ploy to unite the nation in love and forgiveness, the theme of his campaign to deter the removal of Nixon from the presidency. Nevertheless, the results of his campaign were amazing. On November 30th, 1973, Moon took time from his second Day of Hope tour to issue a statement entitled, Love, Forgive, Unite, to 21 major newspapers across the nation. In his comments on the Watergate issue, Moon stated that he had waited for an American to stand up and speak for God concerning the presidency, but none did. Therefore, God spoke to him, and the three key words God imparted were forgive, love, and unite. Furthermore, the office of the President of the United States is sacred, Moon stated. God has chosen Richard Nixon to be president, and therefore God has the power and authority to dismiss him. Beginning on December 1st, Moon initiated 40 days of prayer and fasting for his members all over the world. Dan Pfefferman, a former Berkeley student and anti-war activist, was director of Moon's National Prayer and Fast for the Watergate Crisis. Moon's followers also launched a seven-day public fasting campaign on the Capitol steps as part of their larger 40-day prayer and fast. They tried unsuccessfully to organize an interfaith support on their behalf. While demonstrations were conducted across the country in various parts of the world, six followers of Moon regularly visited congressional offices of both parties asking the legislation to sign a petition in support of Moon's Watergate forgiveness statement. By the end of the year, this effort had been endorsed by four conservative Republican senators, Carl T. Curtis, Hiram L. Fong, Clifford P. Hansen, and Strom Thurmond, and 28 congressmen. On December 11th, Nixon sent a statement of appreciation to Moon and the Unification Church for their support. Copies of this statement have been widely distributed by the church. Two days later in the morning, Tricia Nixon Cox and her husband mingled with members of the Unification Church who were demonstrating in support of her father outside the White House. The press gave the occurrence extensive coverage. That night, hundreds of Moon followers rallied again in the front of the White House, bearing signs reading, Support the President, and God Loves Nixon. Shortly after 11 p.m., the President appeared. Moon's followers knelt down when he came out, and with tears in his eyes, President Nixon talked with each one for about 15 minutes. The following day, Moon received an audience with President Nixon. When he met with Nixon, Moon embraced him and then prayed fervently in his native tongue while the president listened in silence. Two days later, Nixon resigned. Moon said, I am sure there is a communistic power working behind the scenes. They came to threaten to kill him if he did not resign, and that's what compelled him to do so. And that little brilliant stunt right there is really what gave Sun Myung Moon and the Unification Church their rise to power and that boost that they needed here in the United States. And so the press really made them and helped them to be what they are and what they were, like they have so many other terrible entities and figures throughout history. One thing that I realized is Moon was not an idiot at all. He was a very intelligent man, and the people working with him are obviously very intelligent there in the higher levels. He was a hell of a strategist. There's no question about it. 
And what's crazy, I don't know if I've mentioned this, but he barely spoke English whatsoever, but he was able to, thanks to that coverage by the press, really start to get quite a large audience here in the United States. He used that notoriety from then on to work with politicians and work he did. He's had some big, big names. Even after his passing in 2012, he's had some big names working with the Unification Church. He really took a cue from what the Rockefellers, the Carnegies, the Fords, the Gates now, and others did, and that was start all kinds of tax-exempt foundations, non-governmental NGOs, and that's how he works to change policies and get things done, because NGOs really are the shadow government. And so he capitalized on that, and there are many, many, many different institutions that are Mooney connected, which we will talk about in one of the other shows. But after that happened, he started to reach out to other politicians. And Yamamoto says that many political leaders have been listed as supporters of Sun Myung Moon and the Unification Church. So many, in fact, that people have wondered how Moon received their endorsements and whether they are legitimate. Moon essentially has employed three methods in collecting names and has utilized each one to its maximum potential. One of these methods has been the solicitation of proclamations. When he was on his tours, Moon sent runners to state capitals and mayor's offices throughout the country requesting written proclamations which would honor particular days on behalf of Moon and his church. The proclamations are normally signed by the scorers with very little scrutiny on the part of the government officials. Two of the more well-known names to have signed these proclamations, which have been numerously duplicated, were Governor Jimmy Carter of Georgia and Governor George C. Wallace of Alabama. Some other names who appear are Senator William L. Scott of Virginia, Jesse Helms of North Carolina, Mark C. Hatfield of Oregon, J. William Fulbright of Arkansas, as well as Mayor John V. Lindsay of New York City and William F. Buckley, Jr. Now, this book is from the 70s. So there's been many, many others since then. People including George H.W. Bush, Donald J. Trump, Mike Pence, Mike Pompeo, Mark Esper, and his sons in their offshoot, have been able to get Steve Bannon and Dana Loesch and also Joey Gibson from the Patriot Prayer and all kinds of other ones for their Rod of Iron Festival. We'll look into the Rod of Iron Festival a little deeper in one of the episodes and others who have spoken at Mooney-related events. Now, in trying to keep the correct sequence of history, Concerning the Moonies, we'll go to the 80s. It says here in the Free Press article, After Ronald Reagan's presidential victory in 1980, Moon's political influence increased dramatically. Vice President George H.W. Bush, a former CIA director, invited Moon as his guest to the Reagan inauguration. Bush and Moon shared unsavory links to South American underworld figures. In 1980, according to the investigative magazine IF, the Moon Organization collaborated with a right-wing military coup in Bolivia that established the region's first narco state. Moon's credentials soared in conservative circles. And that brings us to 1982, when Moon formed the conservative newspaper, the Washington Times, which was allegedly supposed to be a kind of antithesis to the Washington Post. But we'll get a little bit more into the Washington Times eventually. You know, I just did the show with the Occult Rejects. It's actually a three-part, and I think the only the first part's been out so far, but it's on the Franklin cover-up. And believe it or not, the Washington Times did a hell of a job exposing the Franklin cover-up, probably better than anybody. The WAPO and the New York Times actually tried to scoop it under the rug. So it's not that the Washington Times is horribly wrong about everything, but you have to consider that there's your liberal spin and your conservative spin. And those spins may not necessarily 
be really conservative or liberal. I mean, the blurred line between conservative and liberal is getting more blurry by the day with people changing what they've always said on a dime to fit their politicians and parties. But I think we have to realize that there's powerful influences behind these newspapers and these news outlets, powerful corporate entities, lots of money, the deep state, Operation Mockingbird, I will remind you, and WAPO was definitely a part of that. So we have to keep these things in mind. It was also in 1982 that Moon was arrested and convicted of tax evasion. He spent over a year in jail. And according to this Free Press article, in 1982, the Moon organization based at Ohio University in Columbus helped elect John Kasich. Ohio's governor or former governor, I'm not sure if he's still the governor there, to the U.S. Congress in the 12th District. During the Gulf War, the Mooney-sponsored American Freedom Coalition organized support the troop rallies throughout the country, which always has a twofold reason. It's never just to support the troops unless it's localized. You know, I'm for supporting the troops, of course. I've talked about this in the past, but a lot of these things are all for show to keep the wars going because the wars have nothing to do with our freedom, Bill of Rights, Constitution, protecting our borders oftentimes. And I mentioned John Kasich from Ohio and how he was supported by the Moonies. Isn't it funny that Kasich went on to be a CFR member and be supported by that kind of side of the globalists, even though Moonies are globalists of a different sort. They just want to be the ones in charge of the globe. Moving on to this article, the Frontline documentary identified the Washington Times as the most costly piece in Moon's propaganda arsenal, with losses estimated as high as $8 million. I believe they never made a profit until 2015, if I'm correct on that. Still, the documentary asserts that his old friend Sasakawa's virtual monopoly over the Japanese speedboat gambling industry allowed money to continuously flow into the U.S. coffers. The Bush-Mooney connection caused considerable controversy in September 1995 when the former president announced he would be spending nearly a week in Japan on behalf of a Mooney Front organization called the Women's Federation for World Peace, founded and led by Moon's wife. Anything, any of these different organizations with the word world or global in them, you know they're proponents of a one world government, and a lot of times a one world religion, as the Moonies are as well. Bush downplayed the accusations of Mooney brainwashing and coercion, the New York Times noted that Bush's presence is seen by some as lending the group, the Moonies, legitimacy. And of course it is. Longtime Mooney member S.P. Simmons wrote an editorial for the Portland Press-Herald, noting that the Bushes didn't need the reported million dollars paid by Moon and were well aware of the church's history. Other news sources placed the figure for the former president's presence at $10 million. Bush shared the podium with Moon's wife and addressed a crowd of 50,000 in the Tokyo Dome. Bush told the faithful, Reverend and Mrs. Moon are engaged in the most important activities in the world today. The following year, Moon bankrolled a series of family values conferences from Oakland to Washington, D.C. The San Francisco Chronicle reported, In Washington, Moon opened his checkbook to such Republican mainstays as former president Gerald Ford and George Bush. GOP candidate Jack Kemp and Christian coalition leader Ralph Reed. Purdue University professor of sociology Anson Shoup, a longtime moon watcher, said, The man accused of being the biggest brainwasher in America has moved into mainstream Republican Americana. Now, I remind everyone that both George H.W. Bush and his son were in our Skull and Bones alumni, and H.W. Bush spoke about the New World Order and the Thousand Points of Light. He even has an organization called the Thousand Points of Light, and that goes straight back to occult theosophy in Alice Bailey. Now, as we're drawing closer to the end, I just want to say something quickly. At this point, nobody really knew in America that 
Reverend Sum Young Moon wasn't a Christian because nobody was familiar with his teachings. And so people just took for granted that he was a Christian minister. And we're going to get into the Council for National Policy, which is like a right-wing version of the CFR, but maybe not quite global, but it's certainly powerful. And Moon had a big hold on those guys. It was started by Tim LaHaye from the Left Behind series. And it was started with a bunch of these TV evangelical pastors, clowns, fake Christians for the most part, and a lot of these cookie-cutter conservatives. And it still is, and it's still very powerful. And so we'll talk about Moon and the connected guys in the Council for National Policy, which is just another NGO to help control foreign policy, economic policy, various policies. So Moon knew exactly how to do these things, just freaking brilliant. And it is no surprise to me that he was connected to intelligence. I look at Reverend Moon as basically the George Soros of the right. Now back to the Free Press article. This is at the inaugural World Convention of Family Federation for World Peace, where President Ford and President Bush attended. And this is Reverend Sum Young Moon talking. And he says here, Distinguished guests, I know many of you are famous, but there's something that you do not know. The Chronicle quoted Moon as saying, Is there anyone here who dislikes sexual organs? Until now, you may not have thought it virtuous to value the sexual organs, but from now, you must value them. Moving on to 1996, Bush the Elder arrived in Buenos Aires, Argentina, amid controversy over a newly created Spanish-language Moon Weekly newspaper called Tiempos del Mundo. Bush smoothed things over as the principal speaker at the paper's inaugural dinner on November 23rd. The former president then traveled with Moon to neighboring Uruguay to help him open a Montevideo seminary to train 4,200 young Japanese women to spread the word of the Unification Church across Latin America. The young Japanese seminarians were later accused of laundering $80 million through a Uruguayan bank, according to the St. Petersburg Times. The Times also reported that when Reverend Jerry Falwell's Liberty University faced bankruptcy, Moon bailed it out with $3.5 million of loans and grants. In 1997, the New York Times wrote that Moon has been reaching out to conservative Christians in this country in the last few years by emphasizing the shared goals like support for sexual abstinence outside of marriage and opposition to homosexuality. Moon also appealed to Second Amendment advocates. In March 1999, the WAPO reported that the cult leader owned the lucrative Car Arms Company through Salio Inc., that's car spelled as K-A-H-R. In closing, besides the Washington Times, the Unification Church had business holdings including the United Press International, or UPI. Moon was often shown in the mainstream media presiding over mass marriages of his followers. More importantly was his marriage of convenience to the CIA and the Bush family. His corruption of American politics lives on end of article. So, like I said, that was from the left-leaning free press, but you can't argue with most of that. It's mostly factual. So, I think we have to look at Moon, and of course, he knows exactly how to work things. It's kind of like the government. You know, they have these different laws and these different pieces of legislation that have a certain name, like the Patriot Act, written by Joe Biden and the Freedom Act, but they mean opposite what they say. And so, you know, the Moonies have these different organizations that are called Global Peace or Family Foundation. Now, they have numerous ones that we'll go over, but you have to look at what they really believe, how he really lived, how his family really lived, and we're going to find out that most of his kids were drug addicts, drunks, and wife beaters and all these different things. Moon was sleeping with numerous women while preaching abstinence and saying blasphemous things about Jesus Christ. And it's just, 
it just goes on and on. So I think we have to kind of put our politics aside and say, okay, they say they're on my side. They may be for some of the same things that I am for, at least on the outside, but how are they living their lives? And do they walk the walk? And are they just conservative or libertarian or constitutional minded in their words and not actually their deeds? Because Reverend Moon was pretty darn open about wanting to mix all the religions together into a one world ecumenical religion. And he was pretty open about wanting to be the ruler of the world, basically. So that to me is globalism under Reverend Moon's rule, which he is no longer with us, but his wife is at the helm. And as I said, they have split into two different factions with the sons having a smaller faction. But when we get into part two, you will understand how powerful they are and how much money they have behind them with so many business dealings and different NGOs and connected businesses. It's unfreaking believable. And it's not just here in the States, but it's in other parts of the world, in Korea. And so I think that it'll get really interesting and it'll help you people to realize how big a player the Moonies really are and were. And we'll, like I said, we'll get into the Council for National Policy. We've just got so much more to talk about. We'll get more into his blasphemy, his blasphemous teachings from the divine principle and all that stuff. So I look forward to the next show. I hope that you have dug this and I thank you for taking the time to listen. This is the Barrytown, New York Training Center of the Unification Church. The Unification Church and its affiliated organizations operate in more than 40 countries. Moon's goal is worldwide to establish a heavenly kingdom on earth to drive off Satan. Satan is everywhere, ready to possess your body and mind. Moon has that drilled into his convert and it serves to control them. If they disobey Moon, if they leave the Unification Church, they will be possessed. Moon calls himself Reverend. His followers call him Master, work for him without question, and do whatever he says. The followers are told that Moon and his wife are their true parents, and they must be obeyed, without question. Moon has never said in public that he is the ultimate Messiah, but his Moon, by the way, speaks almost no English, so we have used a translator to read some of his private writings. His writings are titled, Master Speaks. Last February, Moon married 1,800 couples in a mass ceremony and gave them Moon's blessing. It symbolizes their purification from being born in Satan's world. 150 Americans received it. Master Speaks, when you are blessed in marriage, you women must be absolutely obedient to your husbands. There are a number of rumors about Moon's sex habits during his earlier days in Korea. But now, he preaches strict celibacy for unmarried followers, and he makes it difficult to get married. A couple who wanted Moon to marry them would have to wait three years for Moon's blessing, and another three years to consummate the marriage. Master speaks, I'm planning to get hold of worldly wealth. Cult leaders know how to make money while saving souls. Moon is no exception. He is wealthy, particularly so by Korean standards. He says that several businesses and factories in Korea are worth about $15 million. Moon's followers are employed in them for relatively good wages. One of Moon's factories is a supplier for South Korea's army, and Moon himself is close to President Dictator Park. In America, devoted Moonies work the streets, selling products for the profit of the Unification Church. A lot of things get sold, including Moon's blessing. He charges a fee for what he calls the condition of the blessing. For Americans, it was $400 each. In Moon's church, the poor are not blessed, unless they got that way by giving it to Moon. In this country, Moon enjoys a $600,000 personal mansion near New York, two limousines, two yachts. 
his followers, Moon can do no wrong. He acts on God's authority. He has told them so. Moon says God told him what to do in a series of heavenly visions, starting when he was 16. Master speaks, Satan is everywhere, and you are vulnerable to his attack. It is Moon's version of the fall of man that outrages Christians. Satan, Moon says, physically seduced Eve, and ever since, mankind has been under Satan's dominance. Christ was sent to earth to marry and have perfect children, but Satan won that round as well, so the job must be done by a new messiah. At Barrytown Training Center, 100 miles from New York, the divine principle is drummed in the followers 18 to 20 hours a day. Good versus evil, God against Satan, over and over and over.